Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm recording this episode in Tokyo, Japan, where we've just held a summit with our partner company in Japan, around new energy. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to talk about how new energy is emerging in Japan and what Japanese companies' interests are in the European transition from old to new energy. So let me welcome my guests. Um, first of all, I'd like to welcome Hideo Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. Hello, Hideo. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you for uh, joining uh, this good opportunity. Uh, in Japan. It's a pleasure. Now, uh, for the listeners, Hideo is working with our Delta's partner company in Japan, A-Beam Consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, my second guest is Leon Heelan. Hello, Leon. Hey, hello. Uh, hello, John. Um, Leon, will you uh, tell our listeners about what you do here at Delta EE? Okay, I'm uh, head of business development here in uh, Asia. So I help uh, our customers here to understand uh, our services and our business. So we help them to succeed in new energy, to be uh, to learn from Europe and to apply that in Japan. Great. So um, ready to have a really good discussion about Japan, which is a long way away from many of the listeners I know, but mm-hmm. a fascinating market. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summit yesterday, I characterized how we can define the energy transition. So I'll just run through that now because I think that's helpful context for the questions we'll discuss. We're in a transition from old energy to new energy. And there are, I think, two levels of old energy. Old energy 1.0, which was monopoly businesses uh, regulated. Old energy 2.0, which is competition uh, around central generation and the commodity. And then new energy being the third level. And I'd characterize Japan as having moved in the last five years or so from old energy 1.0 to old energy 2.0. So we're now in an environment with intense retail competition Mm -hmm. from existing utilities and new entrants. Mm -hmm. Um, But Hideo, that competition is seeing prices fall quite a lot in the market. Mm -hmm. What are the margins looking like? Is there still profit in the the retail market Mm -hmm. here or...? Is it all gone or is it going? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the competition is uh, every year is more uh, very hard. Uh, mm. So the margin is gradually decreasing in the for the, uh, every uh, retail company. Okay. Mm. And is that causing a lot of pain at the moment? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, worrying companies? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, gradually, so the every uh, company, so mm. they uh, have a big impact for the reducing the uh, profit. Yeah. Mm. And presumably that's not sustainable. They can't sustainable. just carry on down yeah. this path forever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, before we dive into exploring some of these uh, details and how Japanese companies are responding, mm. let's take a quick look at the key differences between Europe and Japan. Leon, you're traveling quite regularly, racking up the air miles between Europe and Japan. Uh, Do you want to bring out a couple of the differences that that you see? Yeah, well, 
the whole living situation here is completely different. So you see that uh, yeah, the houses are much smaller uh, yeah. than, than in Europe. Uh, the energy bills are, are lower because they only have some air conditioning, some cooking appliances. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, much smaller, the, the, the prices are lower. And one of the biggest differences I see is that uh, the way into the house, which in Europe was heat, because mm -hmm. that was the second biggest bill you had each month, uh, and you saw that the energy companies used that to advise co uh, customers to, with, for example, smart thermostats, to advise mm -hmm. them to become, uh, get lower energy bills. You see that doesn't work here. So they need to find a different way to enter that house. Okay. And, uh, and that's a big challenge. How can they find a way into the house mm. with these tiny energy bills? Mm. Yeah, and are they, are they at the beginning of that journey? Have they discovered it? What, where would you say the market's at? They're really at the beginning of that. So yeah. uh, beginning of, of becoming more customer-centric, customer-focused, yeah. yes. Mm. Okay, and Hideo, what about the trust that people have with their utilities? In mm -hmm. Europe, it's a bit varied. In yeah. some countries, utilities are still regarded very highly, mm -hmm. but in other markets, I think that trust has fallen away over the mm -hmm. last 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. What's the situation in Japan? Do people love their utilities or hate them? Um, so, regarding to the in the Japanese market, is uh, uh, the outage is very few, mm. and also the uh, energy bill is very accurate. So this means uh, so most of the Japanese people trust the utility company, mm. uh, don't like, yeah, very normal uh, situation in. Mm. Uh, uh, they uh, trust the utility uh, attitude. Yeah. So if they're switching to another supplier, mm -hmm. it's really a price-driven switch. Mm -hmm. It's not due to a distrust of the utilities. Mm -hmm. So basically the current situation is uh, uh, the, the price competition is just started. Mm -hmm. It's uh, based on the price in uh, uh, some of the uh, customer uh, switching to mm -hmm. the new endurance company. Okay. And can you give us a feel for what levels of switching are going on? Mm -hmm. Are we seeing 5% of customers switch every year, 20% of customers mm -hmm. switch every year? Mm -hmm. So since uh, 2016, so uh, currently is uh, more than the uh, um, average is 20% is a uh, customer has just changed to switch to the another new endurance company. Okay. 20% over a four year period. Yeah. Okay, and is that switching rate increasing or stable? Uh, uh, gradually uh, increasing, but yeah. so uh, rapidly, yeah, not, yeah. not rapidly. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, not quite at the levels of some European countries, but certainly moving, moving in that direction. Mm. Um, the last difference we've seen here, I think, is around the involvement of telecoms companies in the energy sector. Leon, do you want to give a couple of uh, comments on that? Well, yeah, you see indeed that there are a lot of newcomers in this market, and uh, uh, I, I'm not sure when the, the market liberalized the idea was on, when, uh, how many new entrants were there in the Japan? Oh, maybe more than the five, uh, five uh, hundred. So yeah. more than 500 new entrants, mm. and of course some of them fail, some of them will succeed, but uh, as John said, yeah, they are, the telecom companies are uh, very strong in, as a new entrant, and they yeah, they started new business and we see that they become profitable at the moment so and that's really quick actually so uh, and that's quite I guess in Europe we've seen some telcos active in some countries but definitely it's not a, uh, a big trend we see across Europe um, but the telco companies here have you any thoughts on why they've 
chosen to enter the market or why they're being quite successful here? I think they have the relationship with the customer mm -hmm. and uh, with their mobile phones. Mobile phones are really big here and mm -hmm. you know you see everyone the whole time uh, playing with that thing. So they have a really good insight in their customers mm -hmm. and uh, I think that is their strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they know what customers want, they know uh, how they can reach them, they have immense amount of data about them. So I think that it could be a really good match uh, here in the Japanese market. Okay, so they're, they're definitely ahead in being more customer-centric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also the, in the Japanese uh, telecom company has already provided a very simple uh, uh, bill plan, yeah, mm. compared with the utility company. A very uh, fi fixed price, yeah. a fixed rate, and for the customer. Okay. So it's easy to understand, yeah. Because that's what they've had to do for years, make complex things yeah, easy to understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, let's now look at some of the hot topics in Japan. So, Hideo, would you like to pick out one of the, the hot topics you see in working with the utility market here in mm -hmm. Japan? Uh, so currently, the, uh, we find uh, several uh, hot topics, mm -hmm. and in, especially in the, uh, at this stage, VPP and flexibility is mm -hmm. very uh interested point in in the japanese market okay so virtual power plants virtual power plant, um, yeah. and flexibility in the concept of behind the meter flexibility mm -hmm. or all sorts of flexibility uh especially in the behind the meter flexibility mm -hmm. yeah and uh it's a hot topic is that translating into a lot of activity yet mm -hmm. or is it still at the very early stage of uh trying to work out how to mm -hmm. how to develop this market uh -huh. uh, there is a, some the uh, VPP project uh, mm. based on, on the uh, government uh, subsidy mm. uh, but so not commercialized yet at this stage in Japan yeah mm. okay and how quickly do you think that will change when uh, in the next years will mm -hmm. it move from mm -hmm. projects mm -hmm. uh, to a real market mm -hmm. Uh, since 2021, uh, Japanese government started the uh, flexibility market in all of the uh, in the Japanese market, mm. but so the very uh, limited uh, product in uh, at this stage. But okay. So maybe uh, 2024 and five, and uh, uh, the all of the product uh, will start for mm. the in the flexible market in Japan. Okay, so starting step by step. Step by step. And I guess there's a little less urgency because mm -hmm. here in Japan you don't have quite the same volatility mm -hmm. in the wholesale market mm -hmm. that we have in Europe. Mm. Um, maybe that will grow as photovoltaics grows mm -hmm. um, and even offshore wind might develop mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So I guess the drivers will increase mm -hmm. and the market structure and the regulations will mm -hmm. allow this to grow. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, Leon, what, how about yourself? You're, you're flitting between Europe and Japan. Yeah. What other hot topics do you see in the market here? So I think the, 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 the hot topics is, uh, for example, business models uh, and, and the way into the house of the customer. So mm -hmm. what kind of services can they offer? What kind of products can they bundle? Uh, so th th that is uh, yeah, one of the big challenges. Uh, and, and I think with that, becoming yeah, more customer-centric. What does that customer want? How can we give him what we want? And that's a big change in uh, from energy 1.0 yeah. to uh, so you're in the transition phase, yes. 
Um, it was interesting at the summit yesterday, there were quite a few questions about services, yes. energy as a, a service. Mm. Um, I think that's probably a, a buzzword around much of the globe at the moment yeah, about yeah. energy and about other industries. Um, how real or tangible do you think people here understand that or are they developing service-based business models already or are we just at the very beginning of again trying to work out what those service-based business models mm. might look like? Mm. Well, at, at this moment I see that there are a lot of services built around technologies mm. so it's not a real customer-centric mm. model mm. it's often it's a technical solution for something technical push more than yeah. customer pull. Uh, exactly yeah and uh, uh, you could see for example uh, with, with batteries like financing solutions very uh, they, they try to solve a problem and that's mm. the upfront cost yeah uh, but I don't see a lot of business models at the moment or uh, energy as a service models where uh, they really look at the customer how can we make that customer happy and, and how can we uh, change our business uh, mm. yeah. and Hideo how you see it similarly or any other thoughts on that yeah so currently is, uh, uh, there is some similar uh, energy as a service in Japan uh, only just uh, uh, leasing yeah, mm. and to put the uh, maintenance service for the uh, product. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, so as mentioned, uh, Leon some mentioned uh, before, and uh, not uh, customer-centric business model. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that's really just the first step of energy services. Uh, the other steps then would bundle in the maybe the performance risk, mm -hmm. uh, potentially the energy price risk to mm -hmm. then deliver an outcome. Mm. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it feels just like another way of selling a product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, um, the last of the hot topics we're going to briefly talk about is smart meter data. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hideo, you said bills that tend to be very accurate here in Japan. Mm -hmm. So presumably, there's a lot of data mm. uh, that utility companies have. Mm. Um, I think everywhere around the world, again, it's a, a trend that data is a new oil. Mm. Um, how are, are companies here thinking about using that smart meter data? Mm -hmm. um, are they really digging into this? Have they found ways to use it? Mm -hmm. Or again, is it just at the beginning of that, mm -hmm. that process? Yeah, so in the in Japanese market in the uh, in 2024, uh, almost the meter has a changed, will change to the smart meter. Mm. Uh, but so now is a uh, all of the utility company uh, has just started to do how to use uh, this smart meter data. Mm. But so uh, current situation is uh, uh, it's not easy uh, to utilize this smart meter data because uh, so uh, if the, uh, they utilize this data, uh, they they have to integrate the, their legacy mm. system, uh, their marketing system and the CIS and such kind of the, uh, their legacy system. Mm. They have to integrate these data. Yeah, and Leon, that's a very familiar challenge to European companies. You've yeah. worked in, in one of them, is yeah. uh, it, taking legacy systems. Mm. Yes. Um, so nothing new there. Um, in Europe, we see Energy Insights really starting to gather some momentum now. So um, some research we just completed around 15 to 20% of customers are using some form of Energy Insights. Mm -hmm. Do you see the same opportunity here, Hideo? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. But, but for my feeling, mm. uh, it, it has to be combined in a different way. Mm. So it's, 
uh, if you look at, um, for example, in Europe, you give advice for reducing your bill or yeah. that kind of things, yeah. and that's not so relevant here, yeah, I yeah, have the feeling. Yeah, so yeah. I think the challenge will be to combine it with something with what, what works in Japan. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking of uh, maybe gamification things or yeah. uh, to, to, to that kind of typical Japanese things where you combine things. Yeah, okay, so taking that same data science capability, but yeah. coming back to being customer-centric, exactly. yeah. working out what value you can actually create for your customers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in the, the final part of the discussion today, we're going to uh, look at how Japanese companies are looking at the, the European market. And we're going to break it into three types of Japanese companies, uh, utilities, trading companies, which we'll come explain a bit about in a minute, and technology companies. Mm -hmm. But if we start with uh, utilities, uh, Leon, can you tell us what you see about the, the Japanese, the big Japanese utilities, the medium ones as well maybe, yeah, yeah. and their interest in the European market? Well, they're all very interested in that, uh, especially the flexibility market and the business models and how companies are dealing in this competitive environment in Europe. Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot of these Japanese companies invest in uh, European startup energy companies, the, the bigger ones, uh, and they just want to get their feet wet in an active market. Mm. And, and do you think they're looking to get their feet wet in that market to learn and take activities back to Japan or to grow businesses and grow new revenue and profits in Europe? Or it, both? It's both. It's mm. both. So definitely interested in what happens in the future in Japan if this market is more liberalized and more. Uh, uh, active mm -hmm. and then uh, so they can learn from these business models the big challenge will be how to Japanize them mm. so because yeah in in Europe the drivers are different so you need to adjust them to the Japanese market and that's will that will be their challenge a yeah. um, couple of examples for our listeners who might be unfamiliar with utility Japanese utility mm. investments in Europe so for example uh, lately Osaka gas took uh, 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 invested in Iglo in the UK. And they're a, a small but growing energy supplier in the UK? Yes. Yep. And uh, Chubu Electric uh, is one of the investors in Enico, together with uh, Mishmishi Corporations. Okay. Um, so, and I suspect we'll see more of that in the future. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the utilities in Japan here pick out the right companies to, exactly. to invest in in Europe. Yeah. Um, second category is the trading companies. Um, now this term, I don't know how familiar it will be with uh, people listening. Leon or Hideo, would you just describe briefly what a trading company is and some names that our listeners mm -hmm. might have heard of? Mm -hmm. So um, some of the big uh, trading company has, has already entered the European, uh, European market mm. in the Mitsubishi uh, in uh, investing in uh, many kind of the startup company and uh, yeah okay so these trading companies Mitsubishi I think most listeners will have heard of Mitsubishi this is Mitsubishi Corporation Mitsubishi Corporation yeah, yeah. Uh, and they some listeners may be aware they've invested in Ovo Energy mm -hmm. in the UK uh, they're uh, one of the investors along with Chubu in, in Eneco in the Netherlands mm -hmm. um, and what about other trading companies that might be a bit less well-known than the famous Mitsubishi name? Uh, the other is uh, Mitsui. Mm -hmm. Mitsui is uh, very active yeah, in the 
uh, this area. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they've invested in another small but growing UK supplier called Tonic mm-hmm. and a, a German company active in the e-mobility sector and the intersection of e-mobility and electricity mm-hmm. called the Mobility House. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Marabeni, again, name some of our listeners may have heard of. And they, were, they founded Smartest Energy in the UK, which mm-hmm. is a very uh, forward-thinking energy retailer mm-hmm. and aggregator active in the industrial and commercial market. So these trading companies, I think, again, are very, they've been invested in the European old energy sector mm-hmm. for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And we can now see them actively getting invested in the new energy sector. The last group is technology companies. Uh, so brands like Daikin, Mitsubishi, Panasonic, Toyota, there's no shortage of uh, great Japanese technology companies. Leon, can you give us a feel for, I mean, they're active in Europe at the moment selling many products, but can you give us a feel, generalizing, how you see uh, them thinking about the new energy transition in Europe? I think they're really excited about that and they see a lot of opportunities. they are especially if you look at, at, at uh, products as a service. Uh, so they want to become kind of service provider mm. uh, in this market. So they, they used to be OEMer uh, for many years. And that means that you're always in a kind of bad position because you're dependent on, on your partners there. And you see that they now see with all, everything as a service, what we discussed yesterday. You see, there are many ways how you can sell products now mm-hmm. uh, without being too dependent on that uh, getting squeezed out as a, as a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this trend to services uh, emerges. It's, mm-hmm. Well, it started, yeah. but it's in its early days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole energy sector here seems to really have latched onto that. Mm-hmm as the way forward. So we'll now move on to the last part of the podcast where uh, you'll be very pleased to hear, listeners, that I've taken my Talking New Energy crystal ball in my suitcase all the way here to Japan. So let's put it out on the table. Here we are. And we'll set the dial to 2030. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask Leon and Hideo where they think the energy transition in Japan will have got to by 2030 Mm -hmm. and what we might see along that journey. So, Leon, let's start with you. Um, looking 10 years ahead, where do you think we'll be here in Japan? I think we have, we'll have a very full uh, liberalized market, uh, f- lots of flexibility for all kinds of resources, huge amounts of data, uh, connected devices, uh, home energy management systems, e-mobility. I see a full dynamic market uh, in, in 10 years. It will take some time, but they will get there. And I guess in Europe, we'd probably say the the same thing. Um, What would give you the confidence that in Japan, uh, that will be the case here in 10 years time? I I think Japan has been proven with with many technologies, for example, like fuel cells, that they can take these challenges and make that successful. Mm. And I think uh, uh, the issue of pollution and, and, and uh, more renewables, etc., uh, and are the drivers to get to that market and to become you know, more customer-centric. So I, I, I think they really can do it. 
Mm. And I guess that's one thing that stood out to me in working with Japanese companies is a strategic commitment. We identify that as one of the key ways to succeed in new energy is that robust strategic commitment. And from what I've seen, Japanese companies often take quite a long-term view and then really work consistently over a number of years to achieve that. Um, Hideo, how do you see the next 10 years unfolding here in Japan? So I think that also they uh, change a lot in the Japanese market, but so very uh, the change speed is very slow, I think. Uh, so evolution rather than revolution, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so uh, outside of Japan, so uh, the energy market has rapidly changing in the Europe and Europe, uh, US, but so in in Japanese market, it's a uh, gradually change. Uh, but so uh, the speed is very slow, and there is a many gap in the between uh, the other countries in the in the Japanese market mm. in the next ten years. And is that speed slower because regulation and market structures, mm -hmm. or just some of the differences that we identified earlier in the discussion? Uh, what would make the speed be slower here? Do you think? Uh, the one point is the regulation. Is the regulation is a uh, change is very slow, and also the uh, the uh, decision making uh, in the uh, utility company is uh, not rapidly yet. Mm -hmm. and so this means that so uh, the market is not rapidly changed. Yeah, okay, so maybe the flip side of that robust strategic commitment mm -hmm. is it takes companies a bit of time to develop mm -hmm. those strategies and the confidence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast today. Uh, thank you very much, Hideo, for joining me. And thank you very much, Leon. You're welcome. Um, and thank you, listeners. I'll be back next week, back in Europe, hopefully over my jet lag for the next episode of Talking New Energy and I hope you can join us then. Thank you and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.